Hey guys, I'm Kaylee. And I'm Danny. And this is the Geneseum, a podcast for women by women where the topics are heavy, but the conversation is light. Today we're going to be talking to Melanie Rogers. She is a certified eating disorder registered dietitian and supervisor. Um, she's based in New York City and she is the founder and executive director of Balance Eating Disorder Treatment Center. She's super great. So nice. It was an amazing episode. She's, we love her. Yeah, she's so smart and like just all around a great lady it's a great episode yeah so keep listening yay it's happening right now what do you think the biggest problem is in today's like body image kind of climate like with society and everything how do you think society plays a role in body image I think it plays a, a huge role so um, body image if you think about what is the ideal body image it's a social construct so by that I mean like if you look back at I don't know pictures from the renaissance where we used to have paintings of voluptuous women yeah and at that period in time that was considered beautiful mm-hmm. and our current version of beauty is thinner is better and we've also seen that the BMI of models over the last two to three decades has decreased. So we're getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier models. And that's becoming the ideal. So whatever is out there on our magazine covers, on Instagram, um, that's <laughs> pretty much what society is saying, hey, this is this is the ideal beauty right. and body image that, you know, we expect, I guess, from women. Right. And like, that's what we should all look like. That's what we all should look like is, is the message. Right. Um, and then what do you think like the biggest misconception about body image is? I think the biggest misconception about body image is that, uh, for people who are struggling with body image, that it's about vanity and vanity alone. Mm -hmm. Certainly when we think about body image, surely it's about what we look like, but it's got a lot more to do with it than that because, to meet the current current construct of what is an ideal looking woman for example it's not about just looking that way it's about well what does that mean that means that people find me attractive that means that hopefully I'll find love in my life mm-hmm. people will like me um, and with all of that comes this kind of feeling of and therefore I'll have security and happiness in my life You know, so it's not just about what size are my jeans. It's about all of that other stuff that's folded into that. So it's pretty, it's pretty potent stuff. So what you just described, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like validation is a huge, um, I guess is a huge route, I would say to this, because you said talking about, oh, if I look a certain way, then friends like me and then the guy will like me. And so it's much more of just your, what you look like, it's or of trying to achieve something is that is yeah. that kind of where you're going with i think i think you're hitting it on the head yeah okay. it's achieving something that society says is the ideal and if you achieve that you will be desirable you will be lovable mm-hmm. you'll be wanted you'll be taken care of you'll be successful so okay. all of that stuff is wrapped up in that and also you're powerful right, right? Yeah. because you you have that elusive look right um and then so i think people kind of throw around like the word body dysmorphia but could you just like describe what exactly that means sure body dysmorphia is where we take body image or negative body image to the extreme so it's where literally the brain is not able to see accurately what we're seeing in the mirror so Mm. it's actually a condition Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually know, and this might be too heavy, but we actually know from functional MRI testing mm-hmm. that for our anorexics who often have 
significant body dysmorphia, the part of the brain that registers what we look like, the real uh, outline of our body, Mm. um, that part of the brain is actually distorted. Um, in the same way that a schizophrenic who is a schizophrenic is someone that at times might be seeing things or hearing things that are not really there yeah the same part of the brain is lighting up in an anorexic when they're in the eating disorder about their body image so when an anorexic looks in the mirror and says i'm fat they are literally seeing something that is not there but they're seeing it through their eyes so they do of course believe Believe what they're seeing so if you have an anorexic friend and they're saying i'm fat i'm fat and you say don't be ridiculous can't you see yourself the reality is they actually cannot so that's body dysmorphia um, is an inability to see accurately what's actually there that brings me to something i've always wondered because i mean i went to an all-girls high school so eating disorders were uh, in, rampant, rampant, especially in LA. You know, oh it was hor- you know a bunch of issues. Um, but you know, in the friends I encountered that had this one issue, I would also have with our other friends who were trying to support them. Was everyone, everyone would just say, you know, like don't you understand what you're doing to other people? Especially, tri- it is triggering when you have body image issues yourself, and your skinny best friend is saying, "Oh, I'm so fat." Yeah. So what would your advice be to someone who you know is themselves having body image issues but also wants to be there for their friend without you know without being triggered all the time and resenting them you know wow that's a really really tough situation to be in (laughs) i've been wondering for years yeah i i don't even know if there's an easy answer to that because if you're being triggered with your own stuff you know it's kind of like if you're sick and not sick in 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 you know but let's say you've got the flu it's really hard to take care of someone else who's got the flu when you've got the flu Mm -hmm. it's a similar kind of thing except for it's about body image and being sensitive around that Mm -hmm. so if you're trying to keep yourself in in check and and trying to um, you know talk yourself down from the anxiety around that and then you've got this other person who seemingly looks perhaps the way that you would ideally want to look and they're seeing a distortion they're going on and on and on I don't know how you don't just get really mad with them right right that would be a natural reaction and you'd kind of want to you know slap them around a little bit but I am a pacifist so you know you wouldn't actually do that um <laughs> You know, I don't know if you can just have some really um, transparent conversations very gently and respectfully and just say, hey, listen, I understand you've got your stuff going on, but I've also got my shit going on and this is really hard. Mm -hmm. Could this be a topic that we just don't talk about together because it's too much? Um, You know, maybe going that because I don't know how else you're going to get through that. I mean, I've definitely done a couple of fuck yous and obviously nothing good went well from that. (laughs) You could possibly just blow up the relationship, right? Yeah. 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 Those those both struggling. Yeah. Those (laughs) F-bombs are pretty good at doing that. So yeah, absolutely. Um, So can you explain kind of like what is like a negative or distorted body image? Sure. So a negative or a distorted body image is not quite the body dysmorphia that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. If you think of it on a spectrum, Mm -hmm. a little bit more kind of, um, certainly it's not neutral of course, and it's more in the negative realm, but it's not quite to the other extreme. And that's really when, uh, we are fixated on one aspect of our body or one part of our body, or maybe the whole thing, but usually it's a couple of different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have heightened self-consciousness around it. And we even see it as a little bit distorted actually, because we're so self-conscious about it. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, I have my father's nose and he's very proud 
proud of the fact that I have his nose and I freaking hate my nose. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I was so self-conscious about it because I just thought it was this, this mountain on my face. And then, of course, over years and years and years and years and years, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, okay, well, it's not the loveliest nose I've ever seen, but it's certainly not the, the mountain. That, well, thank you, darling. <laughs> um, it's not the mountain that I imagined as a kid, you know, so that's yeah. using a personal example of negative body image. And right. as a kid, my God, all I wanted to do was save up my pennies or my money, my cash um, <laughs> for a nose job. Yeah. I mean, I was so you know, um, self-conscious about that. So that's an example of negative body image. I think, you know, for women, for girls, you know, it's usually your abdomen or your butt or your thighs or cellulite, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have our hot spots. Mm -hmm. You say, yeah, excuse me. So that's, um, that's kind of an example of negative body body image. So Uh, it doesn't even have to be, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, but so it can be anything. It's not because I feel like when people think destroy body image, it's like, Oh, I do want to fit into a certain size, but you know, not liking your nose or being yeah. self-conscious about something that, yeah, that that's also counts. body image. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's not just shape and size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with that, like, I think a lot of the problems today kind of like, like you said, like society and like images on magazines and like what we are constantly seeing in the media is affecting us. But also like, how do you think that weight and body image relate to one another like i think that like you said like size and shape is a huge thing and do you think that like weight is kind of like a huge factor in in the way people perceive the way that we view body image now well actually if you think about it let me think about that so we were talking about renaissance right and we were talking Mm -hmm. about how having a voluptuous curvaceous body was the ideal and if you were skinny you were ugly Mm -hmm. right so that actually tells us that weight and being of a certain size is correlated with um a positive body image in that society at that time Mm -hmm. fast forward to now 2017 um, weight and shape, it needs to be small, it needs to be skinny, and that correlates with a positive body image. Right. So you're absolutely right. The way that we view them is very much connected to weight and shape mm-hmm. and therefore a positive body image. But what I would like to say is that when we can get to a place, and this is what's so hard and this is our challenge, I think, as a society, is mm-hmm. when you can somehow try and step away from this cultural norm that is pushed upon us and try to um, disconnect from that and just accept your body for what it is because it's it's genetics man I mean the way that we are is all genetics you know Um, so when you do that you can disconnect from weight and shape and size and just appreciate your body for what it is. Right. Now, you know, I mean, a big part of what we do here is helping our clients get from a really negative body image to a more positive body image. You might even talk about loving your body. Mm-hmm. It's a big step for someone to go from hating your body to loving your body. Mm-hmm. So what I talk about is just, even if it's just, this is good enough for now, yeah that's a very important first step yeah you know just cutting down on the criticism just criticizing less and maybe just saying you know what i might hate my legs but man you know they get me around right so that's cool (laughs) they do right they do what they're supposed to do and so focus on the functionality as opposed to the aesthetic right because again the aesthetic we don't have control over that i mean when we're born we're our height our height our hair color our eye color eye color it's all it's, it's all part there. of the genetic yeah. makeup right you don't get to change that stuff yeah um it's the same with our weight 
you know, and people will fight me on that, but it is, it is very, very true. And that's mm. where the dieting and the eating disorder piece comes from is when we challenge or try to change our body shape to a different size that it's not naturally supposed to be at. Right. It messes mm. up with the brain chemistry and the wiring of the body and right. brings about this kind of uh, illness and obsession. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what you do here? Because you started talking about how you get people from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, can you maybe expand on what services you offer here? Um, yeah. yeah, and like yeah. how you do get, like what what are some things that like steps that you take to like to create that body positivity in someone who otherwise didn't have it absolutely um so what we do here is we treat clients who have eating disorders and it's the spectrum of eating disorders so anything from anorexia which we know is under eating bulimia which we know is overeating with purging and also binge eating disorder which is overeating without any purging and with binge eating disorder there's often a weight component a Mm -hmm. higher weight gain Mm -hmm. over time um, so it's much more visual if you want to think of it that way. Right. Um, and hence a lot of sh- more shaming in our society around having that type of eating disorder than anorexia. Right. Mm-hmm. In our yeah. current society, anorexia is the revered uh, right. eating disorder. And yeah. actually there's a hierarchy in the eating disorder world and everyone wants to be the anorexic and right. no one wants to have binge eating. <sighs> but again, when you think about genetics, the way your brain is wired is actually a part of what eating disorder, if you're going to develop an eating disorder... It's, it's wired in your brain how you're going to develop that. Right. Wow. In the same way that some people might drink and develop alcoholism, but others won't. Mm-hmm. Some people may go on a diet, and if they have the anorexic tendency, our genetic makeup, they'll develop anorexia. Right. Others will find solace and comfort in overeating and develop binge eating disorder. Again, it's how the brain's wired. So these illnesses are there uh, or the, the predisposition to these eating disorders are there and if the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances come about, they then manifest and people develop them. So our goal is to help people work through their eating disorder, neutralize their relationship with food and neutralize their relationship with their body. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about body image, I'm not expecting them to get to, you know, loving their body. That would be an ultimate goal, but mm-hmm. that's a long, that's a long journey right. I think for yeah. all of long us. Term, yeah. And I think it's also a long-term goal. This may sound corny, but <laughs> I don't think you can love your body until you really, really like yourself as a person as well. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's a whole package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is try to get clients from very um, obsessively checking their bodies. Now, our clients will do a lot of body checking. What that means is not just looking in the mirror, but it means pinching their waist, pinching their thighs, trying on certain clothes that they know fit a certain way, Mm -hmm. looking for a protruding bone in Mm -hmm. their shoulder, this sort of stuff. So what we try to do is have them be aware that they're doing that. And every single time you pinch your waist, you're sending a message to your brain of, fat fat i hate that you're disgusting Mm -hmm. so we actually have them physically try to reduce those behaviors and then we work on them checking in with how many negative thoughts um, they have on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. in a one hour period of time if you had to write down every time you've thought about your body in a disgusting way or a negative way and you had to write that down you would be exhausted, right? (laughs) So by bringing some awareness to that, the clients are then like, holy shit, I didn't realize I was doing this this much. And then with that awareness, they can then over time catch themselves saying those things, know that they're not helpful, know that when you have a thought like that in your mind, 
um, it creates a feeling of negativity. And then with an eating disorder, what happens with that feeling is that you then under eat, over exercise, purge or overeat, depending right. upon your eating disorder, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't want those behaviors because they're unhealthy. So we help the client to identify the thought um, and then push it away. Right. Over time, we want them to somehow get to a place where they're actually able to replace those thoughts with more compassionate thoughts Mm -hmm. of acceptance. So again, you don't have to love it, but good enough for now. I got here. I walked here. The legs work. That will be okay for today. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then eventually we'll get there. So that's a little bit about how we do that. Right. Um, And then you mentioned dieting. Could Mm. you just like talk a little bit about like how you see like fad diets and and dieting like play a role in this and and like your opinion on those type of things and juice pressing because i have a conspiracy against juice pressing you're like cleansing i would love to hear your conspiracy theory on that oh we can we can hear my opinion after let's hear yours right so i think there's a couple things we need to know one um americans spent 60 billion dollars this last year on diets 60 billion dollars and they do that annually and of those 60 billion dollars and those diets 95 percent of those diets fail what that means is that people will go on a diet and they will lose weight but they will not be able to keep the weight off Mm -hmm. and that's not a willpower thing the diet industry says you're weak and you don't have willpower because you've fallen off the wagon this is a great diet It's just you. It's your fault if you uh, fall off the wagon and then regain the weight. The reality is physiologically, your body will absolutely fight you against losing weight and it will fight you to restore that weight. And that's part of our genetic makeup. So diets are bullshit. The diet industry is bullshit. Um, And the fact is though, so I'm a registered dietitian, but I'm also an eating disorder specialist. I know the science behind obesity and weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, Mainstream America doesn't. (laughs) And unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, (laughs) most of our medical um, uh, professionals out there, including most of our doctors, do not know the science behind weight loss and the fact that it's an impossibility in a sense, 95% impossibility. So I asked my client, my clients the question, and that is, if you went to a doctor and a doctor gave you a pill and said, take this medication, the efficacy, the, the chance that it will work is about 5%. The chance that it won't work is 95%, but it's going to have some bad side effects. Would you take that? Right. Not even at a 50-50 chance would I probably take that medication. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. what a diet is. So that's my little rampage against dieting. It. And I want to hear about juicing and cleansing from you guys. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's a scam. It is a scam. It's, it's, a huge it's some scam. bullshit. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. What I mean, kills me though is everyone, you know, everyone thought thinks it's so original. Everyone thinks Jamba so- Juice has been doing this for years. And, <laughs> and it's like, and it's. They think that they're like detoxifying their body, and I'm like, no, you're just depriving it of things. Exactly, I love that. You're not like, yeah. I mean, if you aren't eating and like you're drinking green juice, like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, thing you're gonna see a change in your body. That doesn't mean it's a good change or like a positive change. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, also like, there's science there that shows that like when you do something, you lose like half or more the nutrients in what you're supposed to be eating and i'm like why not just eat it like absolutely you know what kills me though i love so i'm from la so you know press juicery 
it was the thing. Everyone did press juice read. We didn't have juice generation. We had local bullshit. I hate LA. Um, but Tell us how you really feel. Oh yeah. Sorry, mom. Um, but so it would always kill me because people would come off. They're like bullshit. Six day. I drank flavored water for my three meals, and they'd be like, I feel so good. <laughs> no, you don't. You're lying. You you think you're supposed to feel good because they market it to be oh look you're with the earth and insert vegan yeah. shit. But you're you don't feel good. You have no eaten way anything. you can feel your good. body is in that fight fight or flight mode. That's exactly and right. it's just barely surviving. That's yeah, like, you know your body has like has like changed. Like they they're like oh I'm not I'm not eating so I need to like work extra hard to like stay awake and yeah. do all of this stuff and that's why you feel so like <laughs> alert or something like that yeah. it's because like it's like doing adderall but you yeah. didn't do the drugs and all you did was drink water right and you're just and your body's like essentially like failing and it's like that's why you think you feel good and yeah. then but like and then thank god i fit into a bikini can't live but i can fit into one like, well that's it yeah there's a starvation high that people get and i think that's actually what what they're they're experiencing it's so funny right so quick little story my grandmother my grandmother when i was a kid so this is a while ago um <laughs> my grandmother used to juice she had this old-fashioned juicer and carrots and celery and apple and all that and i remember her giving it to me as a kid and me tasting it and going this is revolting right? it tastes like <laughs> Wow. It tastes like ass. Thank it's, you very which much. Which our, our old, uh, someone who was on our show did eat ass, so yeah, we should probably so ask her. If it actually does <laughs> you taste like that. that episode. But I'm her. assuming that it does. Because like, Alyssa, <laughs> yeah, can you? No, it, it yeah. just tastes It tastes bad. awful. And I remember that was the only time my grandmother ever got upset with me because she was very, very healthy, etc. But it's a, it's it's so funny to me how it's now the thing. But here, here's some information for us to think about, okay? So let's just think about a plain old glass of orange juice, okay? That's juicing. There are eight oranges in one glass of orange juice. To your point, Kaylee, why don't you just eat the freaking oranges? <laughs> right. Right? But also, if you're thinking about it from a weight management piece, because most people, if they're juicing or cleansing, they're also thinking about it from a weight perspective. Mm-hmm. They're probably over-consuming calories through right. their juices yeah. because the body doesn't register the calories in liquid as well as it registers calories in real food that you actually chew and swallow and digest. Right, and I feel like... So there's an, an, a tendency and easily you can over-digest and end up with more calories than your body needs. Right, and I feel like, you know, you just, like, if you just eat the oranges, one, you won't have to eat as many, and, <laughs> like, you'll be full and, like, feel good like, and you'll get the fiber and yeah, you'll get all you'll that get good all stuff of as the well nutrients that you're losing and it's in better the for the environment because yeah. we're not having eight oranges in one glass or yeah. whatever we're just eating them yeah 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty radical though isn't it just yeah. eat the fruit man right you said something though you said the idea of this being healthy um and like you know people eat their celery green beet thing because they want to be healthy or health conscious what does it mean to be healthy because I feel like today in society to be healthy means to be fit, able to run and fit into a certain thing. But if each body's different, healthy changes, right? Between Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Um, our definition of health has become very, very narrow, as you said, and it's tied to ideal body image as well. And what size are your genes basically, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how often do you work out and, you know, what's your, what's your, um, 
how many miles can you run in 30 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that, yeah, all those things are fine and good, but not really. So <laughs> here's an example. So if you're a thin person, you don't work out, you don't eat much except for what flavored water and juices <laughs> and you smoke, you actually have a higher rate of health uh, issues than someone who might be of a higher weight who does, you know, eat their veg and eat their fruits um, and, you know, even just walks. They don't have to be that active. So the, you know, you can't read a book by its cover is very much the same when you look at people's body shape and size. Just because someone looks thin or looks to be of a larger, Mm -hmm. higher weight doesn't you can't you can't judge how healthy they are because you don't know if that person works out five days at the gym or walks their ten thousand steps can't be a certain size well that's exactly right genetically that's where they're supposed to be or they've been yo-yo dieting all their life that they've kind of screwed up their metabolism and now they're at a larger uh in a higher weight body than they were destined to be in but that's kind of where the biochemistry has changed to and Mm. there's no undoing that unfortunately um so you know when we talk about health um it's it's a hell of a lot broader than the narrow definition that we're given and certainly from equinox ads it's a hell (laughs) of a lot broader than that yeah no, and I, I think it also is like, like when I was in, like when I had my, or, you know, in the depths of my eating disorder, like I wasn't healthy, not only because I was like underweight and because I had like an, you know, negative relationship with food and whatnot, but, but also because like, I, I couldn't like indulge, like that's like, I feel like healthy is so much more than just like eating fruit and like lean, you know, protein and no car, like being healthy, I feel like is like having a good relationship with food and like knowing that like indulging isn't going to kill you and like isn't going to have the negative impact that you think and like I yeah I feel like so much of it is like you do so much to look a certain way but you feel so badly doing it absolutely and it's like you should like that's not health in like in my opinion like that's not healthy even if the food that you're eating is technically healthy Mm. I feel like you yourself aren't because of like what you're doing and how miserable you are doing it. Absolutely. You hit it on the head there. So, you know, orthorexia, which is basically, you know, super, super healthy eating, if you want to think of it that way, or perfectionistic eating. Um, And people tend to think of that as the healthiest way you can eat, right? right? But to your point, a couple of things. One, most people who are eating that way are very obsessive. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you're obsessive about your food is it gets anxiety provoking and if you go out to a restaurant or you go to a friend's place and there's a meal prepared and served for you that you didn't have the ability to cook yourself or prepare yourself or know how it was prepared, that can throw you into a tears. That's not healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not a healthy relationship with food. What we talk about here is the idea of, yeah, you know, get your fruits in, get your vegetables in, all that good stuff. We all know, to be honest with you, we all know what good eating is. We know what balanced eating is. Mm-hmm. It's just that people get very obsessed about it. <laughs> um, but the point is you have to have a neutral relationship with food so that no foods are scary or good or bad or healthy or unhealthy or you know clean or not clean um it's about moderation i I know that's not sexy but it's about moderate it's about moderation right i hate the eat clean eat clean oh my god what the hell is eat clean i only eat meat so i've never (laughs) heard this phrase carnivore (laughs) i am wait what is eat clean it's like that it's like instagram like they're like hashtag eat clean because they're eating like 
a piece of very bland chicken oh, and fuck like off. green beans. That's not real. Like, no, okay, you can't. They can't really like that. Well, exactly. Do people like, really like that? It can't be that. I don't know. Like it I just seems like a. For me, it was a miserable existence. I and tell like, you, yes, I agree. I had an eating disorder as well, and during that time, I was vegetarian, pesco vegetarian. Oh yeah, I was a vegan, right? Oh, there oh, you go. Unquote. And a, it's oh. miserable, isn't it? Yeah. And B, you you fret and obsess about food all the time and the calories yeah. in it. But also, after twelve years and after I recovered, I you know finally woke up one day and I was like, I am so freaking sick of eating salmon every single time right? I go out to a restaurant because that's all they've got for pesco yeah. vegetarians, you know? Yeah. It was just like, there's got to be more to life than this. Exactly. So, uh, sorry. Sorry to the vegetarians out there, but I, I you know. This is an anti-vegan zone. I, so I decided good. to go a little bit more broadly with my protein choices. But, um, yeah, it's a bit crazy. And to your point, it's that's not health. Right. It's not health. And that's not healthy eating, to be honest with you, when it's so obsessive mm-hmm. and there's stress and anxiety around it and it's antisocial. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or it might be healthy eating, but it's not healthy living. Right. Exactly. So you've got to consider quality of life of what yeah. that looks like. Here's an, an example. If we take it outside of the eating disorder world, we've been working with um, the Columbia Celiac Institute lately. Oh. So people who have celiac um, actually have an allergy to gluten, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that is real. And that causes a lot of side effects in the intestine. Now, once it's diagnosed, it's actually fairly easy to treat. You take gluten out of the diet. Mm-hmm. right and then the disease actually goes away it's right. amazing wow however what they're finding is that the people who are going gluten-free the clients who need oh to God. go gluten-free because they have this illness mm-hmm. their quality of life is plummeting and they're getting really depressed wow. because it interferes with their ability to go out with friends and family and go to a restaurant and just order whatever right mm-hmm. um you know they're always kind of having to think about is it got gluten in it etc because they have this real illness mm-hmm. so if you think about it from that perspective quality of life um that's that's a very important part of being healthy overall right yeah so what would you say because i don't know i do know that some people really do have to be gluten-free for Mm -hmm. help Mm -hmm. but i feel like all of a sudden within the past 10 years everyone said they were allergic to gluten i think it's a way for people to social like like a socially acceptable way for people to avoid bread yeah carbs and it's like dude just fucking eat it yeah like it doesn't matter. Just just eat it. Like, you'll be fine. Life will go on. Yeah. Like, Life will go on. You'll yeah. survive and, like, you'll be happy eating it because you're not eating, like, fucking arugula with lemon juice on it. Like... Yeah. Snap. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so true. It's so true. And you know what? See, this is, this is where we're at now. So this whole, like, low-carb phase came in with the whole Atkins craze, which oh. I don't know if you guys oh, remember, yeah. but since, since the 90s, that's been around and other configurations of it. So that was anti, anti, anti carb. Now, if you cut out your carbs, um, what happens is that basically your glycogen stores in your muscles, which are supposed to be there because Mm -hmm. that's what fuels you between one meal to the next, Mm -hmm. they get wiped out. Now, when I had my eating disorder, I of course didn't eat carbs and I was running and you get to the point where your legs are like lead because you have no glycogen in them. So going upstairs at the subway would nearly kill me. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh my God, I don't think I can make it to the top of the stairs. Yeah. Right. And I thought I was so fit and so healthy. Mm-hmm. So going back to the, the carb thing. So we cut out carbs. Um, that only leaves you with protein and fat. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all your veggies and your arugula with lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens though is anytime you're around carbohydrates, the body needs carbs because the brain will only run on carbohydrate. Right. Wow. It won't run on protein and fat. 
Um, so huh. physiologically, the body is going to say, seek out carbohydrates and freaking eat them, will you? Right. And then when people are around carbs, they find that not only do they start eating them, they overeat them. Right. Yeah. And then they freak out because they think they've got a carb addiction or they've got a sugar addiction right. or there's something really, really wrong with them. Yeah. When in fact, it's just a physiological response to not taking in what the body needs. Right. It's kind of like if you were dehydrated and you were dying for water, you don't have a water addiction because you're dying <laughs> to drink water. Yeah. You're drinking water because the body's saying you're dehydrated, right. drink water. Right. Yeah. The same with carbohydrates. So it's really distorted people's concepts uh, around you know yeah. eating eating bread and pasta, and two also, of my favorites. Yeah, same. Carbohydrates are delicious. Like, yeah. Why would you want to ever stop eating them? I'm actually not a carb person. Well, you're really? weird. Just because Carnivore. Yeah, yes. I really am. I eat my burgers without the bun, typically. Mm-hmm. And I fucking love carbs. I, I, I just constantly. don't get it. But it's not, I have no problem eating some garlic bread. Right. So I, I feel like everyone yeah. needs to find so it's, it's a, Exactly. So it's really about preference though there. Yeah. It's not about, yeah. okay, there's too many calories in that and I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. Right. So that's your litmus test. So you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then just like quick, I want to ask you quickly about like, you know, along with the media, like instagram like the eat clean phenomenon and like the the fitnessgrams like the fitness instagrams do you i mean i had to stop like i can't i can't follow them they are triggering to me yeah um but how do you feel like do you feel like they're beneficial to a certain extent or detrimental or like is there a medium you can find? Well, I think I think that what we did is we took the skinny, skinny uh, model look, the rake look, and replaced it with this supposedly healthier, muscled female look. Um, and the, and I think that there's a, there's a I like the intention that maybe went along with that, which is you don't have to be super skinny, um, be healthy, and that's a really good thing, and healthy means be fit. Right. But the chiseled bodies, particularly of the women and also the guys, um, is so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And also in order to get the kind of chiseled bodies that those women portray in Instagram and such, I... Look, I'm, you know, I might, I don't, I, I know I'm not making this up. You'd have to drop your body fat to such a percentage that a, you wouldn't have a menstrual cycle. Um, there's just no way you could have a menstrual cycle when you've got that low body fat. You need a certain percentage of body fat in order to Mm -hmm. produce estrogen, which then produces your menstrual cycle, right? So that's why when people restrict and lose weight, they'll often lose their menstrual cycle. So to, to, and women, you know, whether we like it or not, and I've freaking fought against this forever, Mm -hmm. but we are designed to have about 30% of our body made up of fat. Mm-hmm. Average guy, it's around 15%. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we have extra energy stores, aka fat, for to defend a pregnancy. Whether we want to get pregnant or not, <laughs> whether we're ever going to choose to have a baby or not, it's there and that's how we're genetically designed. So we kind of have to suck that piece up. But the reality is to fight against that genetic um, norm of how your body's designed and what it's supposed to look like leads to eating disorders. And I think Instagram just propagates that with these um, ideal muscled up bodies. That if you act a certain way, you're and if guaranteed you just, to have this result. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same stuff, just yeah. different, different, yeah. you know, packaging. And I think that like the big, like for my big is like everybody's body is different. Like it doesn't matter what you see on Instagram. Like you'll never have that body because it's theirs and yours is your own. That's a good point. So they'll never look the same. Same. So I just like, it doesn't matter if you do everything the same as that person. Like you'll, if your idea is to look like them, 
you you never will just because your body is your own so Absolutely. like it's gonna look the way it's gonna look and, and that's i think the problem i have with it is that you like you're like oh if i do this i'm gonna look like that and it's like that's not necessarily true not necessarily true at all and then you kill yourself over it absolutely because yeah. you have this like ideal yeah in mind and if you go into a gym and talk to some of these trainers um and i may that i mean that very neutrally um i were i have a trainer that i've been working out with because of an injury um he's a lovely guy he is so so ripped um (laughs) but what he has to do with food prep he spends about two hours a day on food preparation he has to take his own food with him everywhere his life is very much how does he go to weddings that's yeah, no, a really good question how do you enjoy any like well that's it how do you how do you enjoy that he sees anything like that um as a deviation yeah and therefore a splurge you know wow. so it's very very regimented um and that's what he does in order to have his five percent body fat or whatever right. he does mm-hmm. um and that's okay but it's a whole it's like a full-time job yeah no it is to look that way so i think people have to appreciate when they're looking at these images on instagram yeah that a i'm not saying he has an eating disorder but there's some pretty intense obsession around eating going on there which i would i would suggest is maybe a little bit more on the disordered eating spectrum so i think that the idea of just eating in a healthful way in a neutral way and ending up with a pumped up body with you know such a low body fat percentage is not realistic right yeah yeah. And it's a full-time job. And I think people need to recognize that when you see the idea, you know, celebrities post baby body, Kim Kardashian flying around. This is her full-time job is to look a certain way as That's a celebrity. Right. Yeah. It's like you're working nine to six, yeah. maybe longer. Like it's okay that you take an extra couple weeks to like shed the baby weight. Absolutely. You know, or like, yeah. My thinking on that is it took, you know, nine or 10 months for your body to, you know, go through this incredible, you know, uh, process of having a child, give you, give your body another nine to 10 months to, you know, then go back to where it naturally wants to be and, and will be, um, whether, you know, as opposed to putting uh, unrealistic expectations on yourself, it's just crazy. The pressure we put on women, women particularly. It's hard out here for a woman. It is. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, well, I think our time is up, but I want to thank you so much. Yes, this is a great you. conversation. Super enjoyable. Seriously, this was amazing. Thank this you. is great, guys. I had such a blast. Thank you. Thank Any you last for comments? Yeah. No, just like th- I love what you guys are doing. <laughs> I, I love your podcasts. I think they're fantastic. I thank love you. the format. Thank and you. I just, it was so much fun. Thank uh, you. Okay, thank great. You. All right, tune in. Um, I hope you guys liked the episode. And learned a lot. Um, we had a ton of fun. Um and just want to thank Melanie again and if you guys have um, any interest in what she does and what they do at the Balance Center you can go to balancedtx.com for more information the link's also in the description of this episode yeah so you can find it there too um, yeah I am super thrilled that she agreed to do this for us yes thank you thank you thank you Yeah, to all of you okay bye bye